0: Welcome to the 50th edition of the Kingdom of Pod on the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by Fed Online. Coming up, two weeks away from Boise State, Central Florida, what's at stake in this game, both on and off the field? Some things happening in Pocatello, two big construction projects announced. Dr. Trump has her State of the Boise State Union address with some news on where Boise State's at, and this is is the 50th podcast for the Kingdom of Pod. More thoughts on all of that coming up. But here we are as I record this two weeks away from Boise State, Central Florida in Orlando. To me, there's immediate bragging rights up for grabs against Central Florida because they're pretty loud and proud. And if you're an online warrior, then you know that already, that if they were to win this game, they'll have all kinds of things to say. If it were a double-digit win and the game weren't competitive uh, late or midpoint in that second half and on, I think they have every bit of potential to show respect and gloat uh, quite a bit as well. So if that's something that from a fan perspective bothers you, I think that's certainly at stake. It isn't a playoff game. It isn't even a matchup between two top 25 teams. It's a matchup between two teams that, as their schedule progresses, if they have typically good years, like both do, then this win for one or the other school uh, would be valuable. Um, If Boise State were to defeat Central Florida and they went on to win the American Athletic, we understand the implications of that, certainly when it comes down uh, to the selections of the New Year's Day Six Bowl games and how everybody perceives these, these two schools. I think it's one of the biggest benefits in having scheduled a series of teams in the American Athletic Conference. It sets up some comparisons that you can make between Boise State and other teams in the AAC. So I think this is going to be a valuable series uh, with Boise State and Central Florida and others as things continue to move forward. Now, there could be some momentum to get into the top 25, of course, uh, for either school. And that's important. Right now, both schools are on the outside looking in. I don't think that that was what was planned when this game was scheduled. I thought most people probably assumed that one of the others, or most likely both of these schools, would be ranked in the top 25. But the momentum would be there because of the two teams' schedules as they moved forward. uh, This win could get them that much closer to being in a top 25 situation. For Boise State... I think it's a big game uh, for Andy Avalos's regime, and this isn't meant to put pressure on Andy. It's, it's, it's certainly well within anybody's grasp to understand that he is the new man who's never been a head coach before, and he's been telling the kids how they're going to do things and the results that they should expect from those kinds of efforts. Now, I've not been in all those meetings, neither of any of you, And I'm sure if the commitment and the effort was of a championship caliber in the game against Central Florida and they lost, then that's still going to be a win in the right direction for a new head football coach at his alma mater. If it's not close and there are non-Boise State-like penalties, let's just say, alignment, illegal procedures, um just carelessness, not enough men on the field. If those types of things were to develop, then uh, there, there would be some concern in the short term uh, that the kids were not as mentally sharp and ready to go. I think defensively, uh, Andy understands better than anybody uh, that one of the advantages that the central Florida team has in this matchup is they've got an established offense in what Malzahn wants to do. Now, This group has not executed a Malzahn offense before, but at least he has a good idea of what he wants to put together, and he has faced the best college football programs in the country, and he's never been a head football coach before. Boise State's defensive and offensive coordinators have never been coordinators at this level before, so there is some of this element of how quickly things can come together, and what will the results of the actual game be for the emotional state of the team and the players and the other assistant coaches. And this stuff's not going to get played out ultimately too publicly. uh, But if you put on your optimistic hat and things go great, they score 42 points, uh, they give up three or four touchdowns, maybe a field goal and they win this football game on the road, and they pretty much stay in control of the game for the majority of it, how would that feel? (laughs) Try that on for size. And it's not a game filled with turnovers or an injury to a key Central Florida player like their quarterback. It's not filled with that. Uh, That would be a tremendous confidence boost as they go back to Albertson Stadium for their home opener against UTEP. Conversely, if it doesn't work out, it makes the UTEP game certainly a must-win game. And then you've got to beat Oklahoma State at home uh, to get some of that national reputation going back in your direction. Uh, You would not want to be one and two after Central Florida on the road and Oklahoma State and UTEP at home. Uh, That would be a very different position for the program to be in. And I'm sure that everybody would suffer on some level. And how how much suffering is up to you and up to the individuals and how they handle it. Of course, Andy's going to have the job on on his shoulders to be looking at the whole season. And there's a lot that can happen and stay even keeled. I've seen him in horrible situations as the defensive coordinator and the defensive man at Boise State and never loses composure. You know, never. It's just, it's really pretty incredible what I have seen in the past from how he behaves when everything's going wrong around him. I've never really seen him lose his cool. Now he was on the field and he was always looking to the next call and and doing those types of coaching uh, things on the field. So I think that's, you know, just part of the the story off the field, on the field, what the players believe, what's at stake. Um, and then I think it's up to all of you to sort of determine your attitudes about Boise State football. Uh, should they lose? And then, hey, just how good are they? Should they win? Get to my thoughts about what's happening in Pocatello. <clears throat> but we know what's happening. It's time for some NFL football. And if you're into sports betting, that means you should be headed over to bet online. That's where you can win some money today. So whether you want to make live bets during games or futures for who you think is going to be winning championships in the future, like the NBA, bet online has all the latest odds and the news and the info for all your online sports betting stuff. Go over to the website today or right now, use your mobile device to join and you'll get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before that next big game, put a little bit more at stake, head over to bet online and start playing today. Before I get into uh, Pocatello and what's happening there at Idaho State, I will touch on uh, Dr. Trump's sort of state of the uh, union for Boise State and the campus in, in just a couple of minutes. But this caught my attention. For those that have been around in the state of Idaho, it was quite a move for Idaho State University in 1970 to put up their own mini dome, their own, you know, indoor stadium. It wasn't too far before that that the Houston Astrodome had Made a lot of attention. I thought it was a bold move. I wasn't around in 1970, but I was able to study it, and I even had a chance to meet Debbie Holt, who was the athletic director at that time. And Debbie just sat back and and said, well, how are we going to get more fans in here uh, when we're only playing day games? Guys have to work on Saturday. Farmers have to farm. It's a different time, right? So he said, well, we make a heck of a lot more money uh, by playing at night, and if we don't have... St- playing if we can't play indoors somewhere people are going to freeze. So that's where uh, the mini dome came and it cost about 3 million bucks and I think what's even more unique is that the whole student body uh, bought into it. Now, it was easier to get things done and I'm sure in 1968 or 9 whenever the vote took place because they ultimately opened it in September of 1970, but the student body uh, body at Idaho State voted through student fees to support the project, and it was built. <laughs> you know, Imagine that. The students said, yeah, this is a great idea for us, and I'm sure they were given free reign. Well, the challenge that I think Idaho State has is here we are 50 years later, there are 12,000 seats still. Now, there's a lot of things that go in there, not only the Idaho State football program and what they do and the basketball team, but You've got a lot of high school football games. There's been a lot of high school championships there. So there's a lot of us that have been uh, through that place. And the news is that here they come to the rescue. Idaho Central Credit Union is fully funding the improvement of what's going to happen there at Holt Arena. There'll be new seating, uh, elevators. They'll make their entryways brighter, wider. And then they're going to put in some hospitality suites, some club seats, and some premium seating. So all of this stuff is going to go on top of getting some new turf. And best part for Idaho State is that Idaho Central Credit Union is paying for everything. It did not include any mention that the facility would be renamed in, in their name. Now, they've already stepped up for University of Idaho and their basketball facility up north. Now they step up for Idaho State, who, by the way, Kevin Satterley and that group have not been sitting by quietly, they have already broken ground on an $11.5 million alumni center provided by Idaho Central Credit Union. That's going in north of Holt Arena, and it'll have a 26,000-square-foot building. That's where they'll put their alumni, and they'll have you know their alumni center. And then they're going to move their Idaho State Sports Hall of Fame in there. That should all be done in two years in the spring. And it, it sort of led me to wonder, and, and I know that, this has been a challenge through the years, but the Allen Noble Hall of Fame uh, for Boise State is certainly a nice space. It's just too small. And one of the challenges that universities face in dealing with these Hall of Fames is that they're non-revenue items. So when you're a growing university and you don't have an excess of money and you can focus on culture and these types of facility improvements that are amenities to fans that don't have a revenue piece attached to it, it's pretty difficult to do much. And I think that's why Boise State's Hall of Fame hasn't changed. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in boxes. There should be a massive display uh, for the Fiesta Bowl win over Oklahoma. There ought to be all kinds of exhibits for Kellen Moore. and, And they just don't have the space for that. And I'm sure Jeremiah Dickey and, and his staff were just he's just hiring new people. He's looking for somebody to, to be more involved in fundraising and the BAA as well. You know they're going to have new ideas and, and try to see how they can move the needle on all this stuff and, and see if they can raise some more money. But it's pretty difficult uh, to spend money on things that don't make money. and I think that's where uh, Boise State finds himself. Speaking of money, Uh, Dr. Trump had her State of the Union address before fall uh, semester begins. And one of the things that she said that caught my attention is that there was finally the 100,000 alumni mark that was set in terms of graduates. And I was curious. I thought, well, you know, Boise State's in a unique situation in that they became a four-year university in 1968. And I don't know that they didn't have their first graduates till 1969 or 70. I've known some people that went through at that time. And so they had a late start compared to other schools. And one school that came to mind uh, was one where it's familiar to all of us because Tony Knapp uh, left Boise State as the head football coach and took over at UNLV. I took a trip when I was out of high school to consider going to UNLV with Coach Knapp. And uh, it just reminded me, hey, geez, they were pretty young at that time. Well, I looked, and UNLV's only got one hundred and thirty-five thousand uh, graduates out there, and they started uh, nineteen sixty-four. So, two comparable schools, and where they're headed. Just interesting to note that Boise State still is ultimately very, very, very young. A lot of schools' endowments, for example, will be, you know, three quarters of a billion dollars or higher. Uh, the biggest of biggest schools are in the multiple uh, billions of dollars, and, and Boise State's endowment's somewhere north of, I don't know, $120, $30, $40 uh, million. Dollars. So uh, that's the war chest it takes to do anything uh, there, and that's where I'm sure in the long term uh, things are going to be better. But when when I look and, and think about uh, Boise State's financial position, looking at endowment, number of donors, alumni, <clears throat> It's, it's not the financial revenue that I would be concerned with. Uh, you can control that to some degree. You can go out and raise money and, and look at all the different ways that you can make money uh, as a university. And on the other hand, where my concern is, it's the expenses. You know, I worry about the expenses. Uh, nobody could control what happened, uh, what is happening with covid uh, nobody could control the the stock market collapse, you know, in two thousand eight. I mean, there's there's been some things that just become out of your control, and then escalating insurance costs and uh, utilities costs and all the things it takes to run a university, and then it's it's to keep up the, with the Joneses costs, and and so keeping up with those types of expenses is, I think, what's put Boise State in this position in the athletic department where they're at where they tried to keep up. The cost of attendance was a significant challenge for the university to fund. The Coach Peterson coaching staff was a tremendous challenge to keep together and continue that glorified run that they had, which I think was the smart and right thing to do. Uh, And then Coach Arson's staff certainly wasn't inexpensive. I know that they were out there, you know, personally fundraising a million dollars or more uh, just to make their own Football number, but they felt they needed it, and they didn't mind going out and doing it. And as I understand it, that's not going to happen anymore. There'll be fundraisers to take care of that, and I'm sure all of that will sort of shift as as things move forward. But but for now, it's at least some of the picture in in where they're at. All right, this is the 50th edition of the Kingdom of Pod Boise State football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, and I can't believe it. You know, I'm not quite to a year, but. I know I've taken a couple of weeks off, as anybody would here or there, but I was just thinking back, you know, 50 podcasts. It's been different having done 15 hours of live radio week and and pregame shows Uh, during football season sort of on top of that. I know that the work that goes into uh, doing it, you have a team to help you do that. You have different voices, different people. You have uh, even different types of information that will constitute – that hour, it could be traffic, news, uh, commercials. There's there's a lot of things that come in there. There's another voice, and when you don't have that and you're on a solo mission, you start to understand. Hey, you know what? Can I get accomplished as a sole voice here in a twenty or thirty minute podcast? Because the, the more I looked at doing interviews, I would do them when they were when it was really something I wanted to know about or I felt was interesting. But I didn't want to just do them to do them. I thought that there's plenty of that opportunity already for anybody out there listening, and really the only unique thing I have may be my thoughts. I don't know that they're you know new out-of-the-box ideas, uh, but I do know that edit, I've always been a, a fan of editorial thought, uh, something you haven't heard before, advancing a piece, giving a different perspective on something, um, and with information where we're at today, that's pretty difficult to do, right? So I try to stay away from... You know, if I do go through like a story at Idaho State on what they're doing, it may be because you, don't, you haven't thought about Idaho State or you didn't follow that. You didn't see that. And what I think about what they're doing is to me what I'm adding to that. I'm not saying it's brilliant or great. I don't even know if you give a shit. That, that's fine. But I do know this. I've narrowed this down to about a 20-minute podcast. Sometimes it's more. I never, you know, if it goes too far over 45 minutes, 50 minutes, it's probably because I'm with an interview and I'm pretty interested in what we're doing, like some of the stuff I do with Carl Benson. But in a 20-minute podcast, you're looking at about 4,000 words. Almost all of them are editorial in nature. They're my opinion. They're my perspective on something you've already seen or read. Now, a lot of newspaper columnists, bloggers, uh, people that write online, you know, it's not uncommon in an editorial sense to get a 750 to a thousand word opinion piece on a weekly basis. And so, when I committed to this, I wanted to do all things Boise State football first, and then all things that interest me that concern Boise State second. And that's it. I felt that was my unique contribution in this in this sense in this way. And. So I'm looking at this like, okay, if you tune into this podcast and I'd like you to rate it, review it, pass it on, tell others about it, I'm giving you in a 20-minute period about four 750 to 1,000 word opinion pieces every week. So there you go. So if you think there should be more editorializing about what Boise State's doing or Boise State football opinions, thoughts, perspectives, not just news and facts and interviews, which are all important because it helps us create our opinions and perspectives, uh, then keep listening or pass this on to somebody. Uh, But that's what I'm taking away from it uh, in the 50th edition. It's more opinion, less facts, not a lot of quotes. I'm not a big fan of of just running interviews that are publicly available already because you've already heard them or there's, unless I have something really unique to add to them and I'm not going to be piling on uh, 18 to 22 year old athletes. That's for sure. So I tend to go this direction. So I hope you enjoy it. That's this week's edition. And if you want to subscribe to it pretty easy, you can go to my MailChimp site, just search kingdom of or Jeff caves, and you can subscribe and this will be coming to you. And I look forward to talking to you next week as we get down and dirty on the central Florida